here today. We are uh, right in the middle of July. Isn't that crazy? So before we know it, it'll be Christmas time and all that kind of good stuff and snow. So, All right. First thing I want to do is welcome any visitors that are with us today. We're glad that you're here. Um, I definitely do not... Uh, I, I say this a lot, but I don't, um, don't want to miss out on what we're saying. We believe that God has brought you here for a reason, um, that you're not here by mistake, and we want you to just enjoy and celebrate 
with the Lord. So um, if you're visiting with us, hopefully you received the card when you came in. Just fill that out. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are. And we want you to just relax and enjoy and have a great time. Um, also, we want to welcome those who are watching church online. We recognize during this time of year, many of our, um, our regulars are, are traveling. And even those who, um, who just uh, come in every once in a while, we're glad that you are joining um, today, and we have people from all over the country and world that watch uh, online. Uh, Paris Foundation, next week, the Paris Foundation will be serving. If you're interested in helping with that, please uh, feel free to do so. Youth group meets today. Um, next Sunday is a trip to the Cecil County Animal Services to deliver donations. So um, they can stay after church today and connect. Um, again, they've been updating the prayer ministry if you want to connect and please do that. Also, out here, we've announced it for a couple weeks, um, and then we're going to start to have a table over here in the next few weeks. Um, we're collecting these uh, blanket bags of care, um, and you can stop by the lobby out here for um, to get get a bag to put stuff in. They're, um, they're going to be returned by the 28th, so we're going to start collecting them. If you've already done that, you can start to bring those in. Um, but these are for the homeless in our community, and you can see the number of things that are there for adults and children. And so you can go ahead, connect, and bring those in. It's a great way to really reach out. Um, the team will be handing out, they're looking for about 40 bags. I'm always one, hey, if we can shatter it and, and do better than that, let's do it. So go ahead and do it uh, the best that you can. Get that connected, and we will have a, a great time doing so. I do want to draw attention to a couple things. We have some flowers that are in our church today. And on Friday, um, one of our very own, one of our early church members, Ray Caldwell, um, some of you may know Ray. Um, if you didn't know him personally, you, um, you, and you've been in church for the last, uh, sometime in the last 10 years, um, earlier on in the church, maybe, particularly at the middle school, if you saw a large guy who had a very, very deep voice um, and who uh, greeted you like you were his best friend forever, that was Ray. And Ray uh, very suddenly passed away on Tuesday, um, and we know that he's home with the Lord, and we had a celebration of his life on um on this Friday, and um, just, a, just a really good guy and one of the foundational people early in our church, and so we want to give God thanks for that, okay? So I'm going to ask right now that you stand. We're going to go ahead and worship the Lord, and we just, um, wanna, we're going to start with a, a prayer if we can. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and we recognize that, um, that you are our God, and Lord, um, we say that, and that just kind of goes by the wayside very often. Uh, we live our lives and we, we move on. We deal with struggles. We deal with joys. We deal with concerns. We deal with everything. But God, we need to know and need to have trust and truth in you. And so God, during this time together, we just ask that your Holy Spirit just be with us and just, uh, send, just teach us what you would have us to learn. We've been going through this Galatians series in the book of Galatians verse by verse, just really connecting to hear the difference between what it truly means to live in freedom in Christ. So God, on this is the week, uh, the fifth week of this ser service and series, we just pray that um, you would speak that truth to us ever more than you ever have before. And Lord, just send your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody says, amen.
Yeah. 
Let the King of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, for He is my song. You are good, good.
time, God, we want to continue to honor and glorify your name as we now take time to, to continue to worship you as we sing to, into your holy name and we just uh, give back to you a portion of the many gifts that you've given to us. Whether through uh, our tithe or offering or continuing worship, God, we just want to want to just further your kingdom here and around the world. God, this is not about us. It's about you. So, Lord, just uh, send your Holy Spirit once again on these gifts and, against, uh, and on us that we may be for the world body of Christ that we can go ahead and reach out to so many areas and that we give you praise
rain down cleansing flood healing waters rise around hear our cries Lord let them rise this time we're going to have our children they can go ahead and head to our Haven kids um, and the rest of us just greet some people right around you and we're going to be getting with our, our prayer in a bit All right. <laughs> All right. There we go. All right, everyone. Um, at this time, I just ask that we get ready for an attitude of prayer, if we can, right now, and just be still and get uh, connected to God uh, once again from that uh, little break that we had there to get transition our children out. Um, but let's just uh, go to the Lord in prayer. We have a couple prayer requests that we want to lift up here today. Um, Emily Heath. Um, from Victoria Sheets, is 11 years old, battling leukemia. And so um, we want to continue to lift her in your prayers and that whole family. Robin Hildebrand has asked for prayers for Vicki Copenhaver and the family um, in the death of, their, of her husband, Ray. Again, we also want to lift up um, Ray's uh, family, uh, as we talked about um, this week, Ray Caldwell's family. Uh, Debbie, we also have, um, uh, was it Cody who was in an accident? Corey, Corey, sorry, Corey. Um, Corey Ross was in an accident um, and is, was in uh, Lancaster General, I believe. So we want to continue to lift him in your prayers as well during this time. All right? If you neglected to go ahead and put a prayer request down, please go ahead and do so. You can also do right now as we speak if you uh, took out your, um, your uh, smartphone or even your laptop. I don't know what you bring. Um, and if you're watching online, you can add a prayer request right online. And we'll make sure that we get that um, to the right uh, the right people, Debbie will have that and get that sent out. And if you're not on the list, just request to be on that prayer request. I do want to lift up, ask you to be lifting up a, a um, prayers. Uh, the other week we, we had, um, I want to thank you for continually fundraising for Haiti because we are going, we just had to slide the trip back due to some um, political upheaval and things in the area. Um, but many of us there last year, and I talked to Pastor Oog, he, he just wants us to lift him up in prayer, and there'll be some other opportunities for us to connect in the next weeks and months. Over, um, uh, as you know, Pastor Oog has become a, an extension of us in Haiti and is, is a, a tremendous man. Um, he has a wife and a very active son, um, and uh, he is an amazing man and loves the Lord. Um, when we were there last year, his wife was at the doctor, and they were, um, they were treating her with a heart condition with medication. Um, and then he just let me know this week that she does need surgery. Here is the sticking point. The surgery cannot, they don't do this in Haiti. So they will probably have to go to another country like Cuba or someplace else to have the surgery. So be praying for them um, as she does need to have this very soon. Um, and we pray that 
um, passports and everything are up to date um, so that we can go ahead and then we will help support them. Um, one of the things I stopped and, and thought about this week is how blessed we are to end up in a place that if we have something um, like this, we have to go maybe an hour, if that, to have it taken care of, maybe in half an hour. And to, be in, and to exist in a whole entire country where they have no ability to do that. And, then, and, and also financial struggles as well, and yet have faith and say, we believe that God's going to take care and going to heal her. So continue to lift his family in your prayers during this uh, very difficult time, and we will update you on how we can, we can contribute and help out um, as well in this, in this situation. Okay? So I just wanted to share that. So let's go to Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you today once again and just love to be in your presence. We lift up all these needs. We have several who have... Who have um, lost loved ones. We have a little girl who is struggling with the horrific disease of leukemia. Uh, God, for anybody else who right now is distracted, distracted by stuff of the dark, stuff of this this world, stuff that just has us, uh, our, our concentration just off. Anything that has us off of you, God, we just ask that you just bring us back into center and you just have us focus on you. Let the other stuff be there. We know it's there, but God, let us know that you understand and you knew this was going to happen. And so, Lord, um, we just pray for our brothers and sisters in Haiti. We pray for all those who are traveling uh, today and during this, these weeks. God, more than, more than anything, we just ask that you just minister to us. Just give us what you would have us to, to hear. Let us hear your voice clearer than we ever have before. And for that and all things, we'll give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Today's reading is from Galatians, verse five, chapter, or chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Freedom in Christ. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await that by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have closed yourself with Christ. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Here we are in the dark, um, and week, week number five, 
Week number five. Isn't that hard to believe? Uh, this is a six-week series, and usually um, when we start these series, I'm like, wow, that's going to be a long time. And then we're like, oh my gosh, here we are again. Um, Debbie, you celebrated your 50th wedding anniversary, right? Congratulations. Yep, I saw that. Isn't it great to have social media to know what's happening? So, all right. I just saw her there and wanted to mention that, too. So we, a lot of times we lift up the, the things that we lift up to God for prayer, and we stop to give God thanks for the joys that exist there. So we are in week five of a six-week series in the book of Galatians. And the first week was foundational. In that opening video, you heard some of the very early verses about there where Paul begins. We skipped the kind of part where Paul is building everybody up, right? Oh, I thank you. I'm so grateful. I love you. Oh, you're wonderful. You guys are best things since sliced bread. I don't know where they had sliced bread back then. But they're the best thing ever. And then he says, why is it that you knew a truth and then you're so quickly deserting that? And he starts with that. And we learn some foundational truths, not only for this study in Galatians, but I think also for our church and for what it truly means to be a Christian in the way Christ intended. Um, and so we talked about, we even went back to the book of Genesis. Did you guys remember? We talked about two trees. We talked about that there was a tree of life. And then there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we were intended to have that tree of life. And yet there's a part of us that likes to go back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Week two, we started talking about living the crucified life and living um, more of a Christ and less of us in those kind of things. And we, we talked about how, what it means to live in grace, that undeserved favor of God. And through these weeks, we were talking about being a spiritual Tarzan. Remember that? Swinging back and forth between the tree of life where we're going ahead and saying, oh, God, you're good. You're awesome. We're listening to worship. And then all of a sudden, somebody cuts us off and we start to yell at them and wish they would open up the fires of hell, right? You know, we kind of go back and forth between these areas. And last week, we kind of talked, we talked um, about in chapter four about our relationship, how God never intended for this rule thing, but for a relationship. And we dealt with the concept of sonship, which is a spiritual thing, not a physical thing. That you are a child of God, and we've said that. But a lot of times we lose what it really means. It means it's about relationship and how God wants us to love us and give us the good things and to be connected with us as sons and daughters, not as things we said, slaves and servants and employees, that we are all loved as God's children because God is a good and loving father. So today we're going to talk about, and I love this one, this one verse here uh, about this, this section. We're going to talk about living in the spirit primarily, but I love that section of this chapter which says, you were running a good race, who cut in on you? And there's a couple of things that I remember. Some of you might remember the 1984 Olympics. Anybody? Okay, a couple of people, all right. And I remember uh, Mary Decker. Anybody remember her? And a lady named Zola Budd. And they were running a race, and Mary Decker was to be the... Um was going to be the gold medalist, and Zola Bud was her competition. And you can see the video on YouTube, and I, I watched it a billion times this week. Um, they're running, and Zola Bud kind of like puts her leg out in a way when she's running. And Mary Decker goes down, and that iconic picture where she's sitting there crying, holding her hip. And people were like, oh, did she? You know, it wasn't the internet back then, so we all couldn't rewind. Some of us probably had those VCRs with had the, the, you know, like that, you know, the track. <laughs> If you're younger than 40, ask somebody, okay? But, um, and so 
you know, that was the big thing. Who cut in on her and cost her winning this gold medal in the race? I thought of that. And then you know how, I don't know if your mind works this way, but then you just start talk, thinking about lots of other things. And I started thinking about when I was in third grade, okay, um, and I was at Northeast Elementary School, and they had like a little part out front, and we had to do, anybody remember this? The presidential physical fitness. How many remember that? Darn pull-ups, right? Killed me every time. I got too much junk in the trunk God gave me, right? All right, so I remember that. Uh, like it was yesterday, I remember one of the things we had to do was we had to run around this track. I don't know how much, but it seemed like forever. And this body hasn't changed too much. If you want to see what I kind of look like about that age, look at Judah, a little bit younger, okay? Um, some of you might remember that. Pretty much carbon copy of me. So that is, this is not a body built for, for speed and endurance, just to let you know. But something happened that day that I was running. And man, I was running well. And I was kicking around the track. And you know, it was like the first time in my life that I didn't have to look at other people's rear ends in front of me. And you know, I was leading the pack. I know, you're shocked. You don't know what to do with that. So I'm running, and I'm running. And I think we had to do like three laps around, which now you look at, it's really, really tiny. But back then, it was like you were running a marathon. And I remember running and running, and I was like, I got this. I got this. And then all of a sudden, Matt, I'm not going to tell you his last name because you may know him. Matt came up to me, and this guy was tall and lanky and had these long legs. He just went by me like I was standing still. And I was like, that is not fair, right? He finished, and I lost the race. And I think maybe a couple other people passed me. Okay, feel sorry for me. I just started thinking about it. I don't know what that has to do with this service, but you know why I, I'm, I've never won a race in my life, okay? Um, so feel sorry for me. But today, I, you know, we've all, we all run this race called life. And if you're like me, there's been several points in my life where I've really felt like, okay, God, this is the time that I'm going to really do it. Whether it was when I first accepted Christ at a very young age, and I'm like, yep, now I got it. Now my life's here. I'm excited. I'm going to go. Or whether it was when I was a teenager and kind of recommitted my life to Christ and experienced uh, the Holy Spirit in a way I never had before, and I started out on a new race. And, or when, it was, when I was in college and had this kind of low point and connected, and now I'm going to do it. Or when I first became a pastor, yeah, God, now I'm going to do it. Or when, you know, like mid, you know, midway through being a pastor, you're kind of burnt out, and you just say, okay, new church, God, we're going to start this. And, I'm going to start a church, and there's different points in your life that you're running this race, and yet along the way, it feels like somebody cuts in on you. Am I right? Like, it just doesn't feel that, you don't, you don't have that, that fervor that maybe you once did. You don't feel that excitement like that you early, early did here. And much like the Galatian church, this is what happened. So many of us are trying to serve God in our lives, and many of us may wish we could hear God more clearly. Don't you wish that... All of a sudden, like, you would be going down the road and it would have one of those, like, road signs that says, hey, this is God, pay attention, Jack. Or your phone rang, or you got a text from God. Right? If you really get a text from God, you're going to be like, uh-oh, okay? Um, but what I'm saying is, don't you just want to hear God super clear? Like, if you're watching television, all of a sudden stops and God says, this is me, I really got to talk to you. You're like, go for it, right? You want to know that more. You want to hear it. And often, in this race in life, you can feel very alone. Even though God is there, trust him, you just need something more from him or you feel like that. Sometimes you're just rolling along and then you end up sidetracked. And so that's what Galatians 5 is about. Galatians 5, it says this. Let's look at this. It is for freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. Okay, that was good. Let's say it again. Freedom. Yeah, freedom. I always think of Mel Gibson. 
Braveheart, freedom, right? Braveheart, if you haven't seen it, watch it, okay? Um, so it's a happy thing, freedom is. And he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by the yoke of slavery. If you aren't quite sure what that's about, go back and listen to last week. Last week it's online. Go ahead and check it out. And that talks about don't get yourself back from that sonship and daughtership and where you're an heir back to being a slave. And I, all week I was kind of thinking about the prodigal son, how when he went away and squandered all his father's wealth, he said, I'm going to go back to my father and be his slave. And the father never said, yep, you're right. father said, nope, you are my son. And that's who God is in this. So he says, uh, so we get, a lot of times we get kind of caught up in this thing of slavery, trying to do the Christian faith, trying to do something. And we spend a lot of time on the week on grace saying we can do nothing. That is, by grace you have been saved and not from your own works. Okay? And so we spend some time with that. So we get stuck in that kind of thing. Then he says, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, remember this was the big issue, that they had to come and be Jewish leaders. This is in the area of Turkey, modern-day Turkey, Galatia. You had Paul had gone and taught. He was a church planner, went and taught about uh, what the freedom in Christ is. After that happened, some well-meaning people who were Jewish converts to Christianity came and said, hey, it's great that you love Jesus. However, there's this issue. you got to li- do some of these Jewish laws. One of those men, hate to tell you this, circumcision. They're like, okay. And Paul's like, no, this is wrong. And so he says, here, if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value at all. In other words, you're going back to the law where we don't need to fully bask and we are, have, there's no salvation law because nobody can uplift it. It is grace through Christ Jesus. Then he says, again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to the whole law. If you do one thing get, and think that's going to get you saved and that's going to make you right, then go ahead and just embrace all the laws, every single one of them. And just to let you know, the Jewish people in the Old Testament had 600 plus laws. Started with those 12 and just kept going. All right. And none of them could be upheld. Then he says, this, the next section here. Those who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. Boy, that is a big statement. It, the law doesn't bring you closer to Christ if that's what you're trying to see in salvation. It actually separates you more from Christ by trying to do that. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, hold on to that, that's a big term today, We eagerly wait by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Next thing, here we go, right here. For in Christ, uh, Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. I love this section of scripture. And if you've been part of a church or or if you've been um, along with other Christian people, Christians who mean well and like to dump a bunch of rules and laws and and things on top of you. This is a verse you need to bring to them. Because what he's saying here, he said, in Christ Jesus, this whole book up to this point has been a problem between the Jewish law and grace, between the the knowledge of uh, good and evil and the tree of the knowledge of life, and you are bouncing back and forth between here. He said, I'm going to tell you, this whole conversation means absolutely nothing. If you think circumcision or uncircumcision has anything to do with Christ, the only thing that counts is what? Expressing faith through what? Love. Faith through love. Paul says it's not about these circumcisions. It's not about um, 
what songs you sing. It's not about what clothes you wear. It's not about what version of the Bible you're in and all that stuff. It is about faith expressed in love. You can have all those other things and still not have faith in love and still miss the point of Christ. And I think that is a great message for the church today as well. And so he, he says here, this is a very important, powerful verse. The only thing that counts is expressing faith, expressing itself through love. That's the only thing that matters. And then he continues in this, and here's our, here's our verse. You are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? What kind of persuasion does, what kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you? In other words, that is not the Spirit of God. That's not coming from God. And then to wrap this up here, he says, a little yeast works to the whole batch of dough. You see, Paul is saying that there's some, I taught you well, I taught you good, I had you, had, you, had you right here. But then you allowed some little stuff to get in. You allowed a little kind of things to get into your faith, and it started to mess you up in different areas. You let a couple little things that came around into your church, and it's starting to cause all kinds of problems in the church, which we'll talk about. Yeast, as throughout the scripture, was used as sin because we, we, we live in a time where we like to rank stuff, don't we? Like, we like, we like all kinds of rankings. We watch the top 10 uh, sports show, uh, plays. At the end of the year, we see the top 10 uh, events, news events of the year. Um, you may get in that, in that kind of, like, internet vortex where they say, here are the top 10 movies and whatever, and you're like, oh, I got to watch that, and there's, like, one on every page. You know what I mean? Anybody been there? And it drives you nuts, and by the time you get there, you're like, that's it? Right? Who's been there? Okay? And it's like an hour or two later, and you're like, I hate the internet. Okay? <laughs> so you're there. But, but uh, just those little things. We like lists. We like to rank stuff. But Paul says, it, I'm not, I'm not, I don't care what it is. If you miss the mark of what God intended, just a little bit, that'll begin to work through everything in, in your life. And so Paul begins to share a little bit more from here and says, it's for freedom that, that Christ came for you. Let's look at, uh, continue with Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. Now we have another problem here. We have people who are becoming very legalistic. And so you can hear like some of the battle that's going on. You have the Judaizers who are coming saying, you have to be Jewish, you have to have this, you have to have circumcision, you have to have law, you have to have legalities, you have to do this, 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 and this. Then you have another group that says, we're free in Christ so we can do whatever we want. And then say, oops, sorry God. So you have these two wide ranges of major sins. And you got some people who are in the midst of saying, that's not what Paul taught us. That's not the true gospel. So you're having this problem. Sound like any church you know today in the world. It's where we are today. And that's why Galatians is so important. He said, you were called to be free. Don't use it to indulge in anything, but to be humble in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. What do you think it is? Love your neighbor as yourself. Who else said that? Oh, that's right. His name is Jesus. He was asked what the greatest command was. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. And the second is this. The, it connected. Love your neighbor as yourself. What had begun to happen in this church and in this area is that the legalism, a little bit of yeast got in and people started to go ahead and it created division and they stopped loving each other. Because they stop loving and receiving the grace of God. And grace is not only to be received and kept, it's also to be given to others. And we're going to talk about that in a second. 
And then what he says is, if you bite and devour each other, sound like a church that, that you would want to join right now? Come to us. We're the church that bites and devours each other. And he says, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Why? Man, this church has changed in an amazing way. So I say, here we go. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh deals with what is contrary to the Spirit, and Spirit what is contrary to the flesh, and they are in conflict with each other. You have this tree of life. You have the tree of the knowledge and good and evil, back and forth, right? Same thing we've been talking about all week. And then he says this, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Didn't you hate that? Didn't you hate that when your parents told you you couldn't do what you wanted to do? Don't you hate that when your spouse tells you you can't do what you want to do? Don't you hate it when anybody tells you what you can't do what you want to do? All right. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If you're led by the Spirit, we should all want to be led by the Spirit. Because it's better than the law. And the law is impossible to, to live up to. You see, God, as we talked about a little bit last week, God wants the best for you. Why? Because he's a good daddy. He's a good daddy. He wants the best for you. And being led by his Spirit leads to good things. We're going to wrap up this in a, with a couple more verses, and then we're going to get into some meat of this section. So, the acts of the flesh are obvious. There is sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, and drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Paul got tired of talking about everything, and he just said, and the like. All right? He listed a couple of the main things that were going on in the area, but I would also say that we're going on in this church. That's an interesting church, right? Jerry, Jerry, right? It's like a Jerry Springer show. Okay, that's what was going on in the church. Let us not, can, let's not fool ourselves and think it's not going on in the church today. And the like. All right? Let's not forget and the like. And the like that is there. You see, there's so much stuff here. Some of us, we look at these things, and there's so much social stuff that we see going on. There's spiritual stuff. He begins with a spiritual list here, idolatry and witchcraft. Now, those are two things that in America we don't think about a lot. Idolatry, idolatry, we think that you go, and we think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and there's a big idol, and we go, oh, and we bow down. We may not do that, but boy, do we have idols. We have plenty of idols in our, in our lives plenty of them. It could be stuff. It could be a person. It could be, it could be a hobby. Back in our, our What Makes You Happy series, we talked about how you can go ahead and you can start something that's good for you, something that's healthy for you. And before you know it, you're starting to gear your calendar around it. Next thing you know it, you're starting to gear all relationships around it. Next thing you're doing, you're, you're, your life is around that whole thing, and you don't realize that you become a slave to something that's good. That became your idol. We can become idols to good things. We can become idols to negative things through addiction and other kinds of means like that. We can be addicted to a job. Has anybody ever seen somebody who's a workaholic? You're addicted to your job. You like what it gives to you. It makes you feel good. You like to put posts on there and say, look at me. I'm doing this. Right? So everybody else can bow down at the feet of your job. You with me? So let's not kid ourselves. We may not set up big golden images, but we have them in our lives as well. Witchcraft. Now, that's something that we usually see in some kind of movie or something. But honestly, witchcraft is just trying to control what we cannot control. 
trying to make it, in many ways, trying to act like we are in charge of, of certain things. And it also has a spiritual connection here, too. What about the social stuff that he lists here? Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, enviness, drunkenness. He continues on and on and on. He starts with bodily stuff. With sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, he's going on and on. And then he says, and the like, and the like. He said, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, if you're like me, if you translate that how it's been given for years, you say, I might as well stop now. Because we translate it as if you have been part of this, that you're never going to enter heaven. I'm going to tell you that's wrong. What it just simply means, the kingdom of God is meant for, like, be, here on earth, that it's begun. And so what we're really understanding in this section is Paul is saying, if you live life for these things, in these things, you won't have the best that God has for you. You're missing out on what God has for you. So you're in this lifestyle, and you're going through all this stuff, and you're, you're nasty, and you're arrogant, and you're, you're having fits of rage. Anybody know an adult who have temper tantrums? Anybody ever seen them? Are they great people to be around? Some, now you can just videotape it and laugh at it later, right? But I've had people literally in, in, in environments, in, people who are Christian people, go, ah, and stomp their feet in front of me. I'm like, wah, you know what I mean? And it's not about God. It's always about us. It always comes back to that. It comes back to the garden that we like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because it makes us be like God. Knowing those things. And we were never created to be like God. We were created to have life with God in fellowship through grace and love. And so when we have these situations, we end up in this whole kind of thing. He says, you're not going to get the best for you. So if your life's a mess and you in this list and the like seem to fit your life, maybe you're not getting the great stuff of God because we aren't living in the life that God has intended for us. In that true life. You see, here's what we have. We have a choice. We have a choice. We have the tree of life that we get to have by grace, not by earning it, which gives us freedom, which allows us to be led by the Spirit so that we can inherit the kingdom of God. Because we're children then, and children inherit. Right? Or we can choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which we try to receive our salvation by, by the law or by doing stuff, by rules, which puts us in bondage, making us a slave, and then in our lives we are led by our flesh and we don't get anything good from God because we don't inherit and slaves don't inherit. You see it really clearly? You see, but here's the thing I think is really good. Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said, just to let you know, I got some issues myself. And look what he says here in Romans, which he also wrote, chapter 7. He says this, I want to do what is good. How many of you have ever done that? You say, you, like, January 1st, I want to do what's good. I'm New Year's resolution. I've got that Bible app. I'm going to read every single verse of the Bible. And you're like, thank God they have that catch-up, and it's only January 7th, Right? Or I'm not, I'm going to calm down. I'm not going to be as angry when people do stuff. And then you're like, Rah! start again. Okay. We want to do what is good. And this is Paul. He says, I want to do what is good, but I don't do what, I don't, let me try this again. But I don't, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Jack's verse of life. I want to do good. I want to be good. I want to leave here, and I want to get on the road, and I want to hope that everybody is conscientious and loving and wonderful and gets out of my way. But it ain't happening, and I know when it does, doesn't matter whether praise and worship's on the radio, I want to kill that individual, right? Anybody with me here? I want to do what is good, but I don't. You know why? I'm the spiritual Tarzan. Oh, life, Latria, life. Oh, you sucker, right? I'm back there all the time, and I do it anyway, and Paul tells us that. So what we need, why is that? Because I keep going from points in the spirit to points in the flesh. I keep straddling a line that I was never meant to straddle, and I need to be in life. If you have anxiety, if you have depression, if you have these kind of things, it may be, it just may be because you are in the tree, you're bouncing back and forth between the trees. I've seen people who often have experienced the tree of life and then get into the tree of the knowledge and good and evil who may struggle with these kind of things more so because they know truth, but they can't get themselves there because they're constantly every day in this battle of the flesh. The people who don't give a hoot about God, sometimes it's easier for them because ignorance is bliss. So what I want to do is give you a list of a couple things that I came up with and I looked at between the conflict and tension between the flesh and the spirit. Just to let you know, I could have come up with a list of 4,000 things. I didn't because I wanted to get out of here today um, at some time. But here we go. The first thing we had, and I, I have the flesh down there. The flesh is focused on bondage where the spirit is focused on freedom. This is the reason why Jesus came. This is that verse, first verse we started with. That this is the reason why Christ came. And so sometimes, sometimes good things create bondage. One of the things over the last several years and really strong in the last several months is that we've really committed to a budget. Anybody ever commit to a budget? It's a good thing. And Melissa's always taking care of the finances in her house. And just to let you know, if you don't take care of the finances, you think there's like an endless supply of moolah, right? When you start with this budget kind of thing and you get an allowance for the month, you're like, am I three? You know, you're like, you're, why, why do I, wait, we should just be able to use, we should just be able to swoop, swoop, swipe, swoop, right? It's easy. And so what begins to happen, you start saying, that's all I get. That's what I, we budgeted for. This is how we're going to do it. Melissa says she's figured it out. She's worked with it. Goes ahead. And you're aggravated by it at first. Am I right? But then when you see the results at the end of the month about how much you save a little bit, it's pretty amazing. Those have been in the financial piece. Am I right? It's a huge, huge difference. And it all comes, but you feel like a slave to it at first, don't you? But then there's a freedom afterwards. Because what I've seen from every kind of person who does like financial kind of planning stuff, they say if you plan early and put yourself in a focus and don't overspend in your life, you can have freedom that you've never had, financial freedom, because you haven't become bound to it. You know how many, you know how many people are so bound to debt in our country that they, can't do ab they can do absolutely anything, nothing at all? There is a freedom that exists there. Or for instance, I remember um, when I really made a focus to lose weight. And I remember going to the trainer and meeting with him. And I was looking, and my one question was this, can I have pizza? 
because that is the food of God, right? Pizza, and he said once a week, and I'm like, because <laughs> I could eat a breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. I love pizza; I always have. And you know what? When I started, when I when I started to look at his plan, and he gave me food, foods that were five times a day, and I had to eat every two hours, and all this kind of stuff. When I saw that, and I began to recognize that, there was a freedom that existed. And that freedom that existed was this, that I began to have the results from making the commitment to what I had. Then it became something that was freeing in me. You with me? And then I got to buy new clothes, all right? So we can do those kind of things. Okay, everybody good? All right. So the next thing is that we have, we have in the flesh, we have doubt. In the flesh, we have doubt. In the spirit, we have faith. We have faith. Faith and doubt. If you're doubting, there may be an area of flesh. We, we have to take leaps of faith. I began to think uh, a little while ago about faith. And I was just thinking about some, some faith stories in life. And I, I went back to 12 years ago or so. Some of you have heard some of this before. But um, I started to think about, you know, the starting of this church and about how I was settled and I was a, a good soldier for the churches that I was in. And there's a lot of different things. But I started to think about, you know, I remember saying a couple years ago, my gosh, I can't imagine what I was thinking to do that. You know, because I'm in a different point in life in my mind. I was like, wow, I really left a job and a paycheck with lots of little kids to go ahead and start a church? Really? That's kind of dumb. And you know why I said that? Because statistically, four out of five churches fail. Four out of five. That's not a very good ratio, is it? Particularly when you look at, in the United States, There are 156 million unchurched people. If you put them together, it would be the eighth largest country in the world. That would mean that you would need 200,000 new churches with 1,000 people every week in order to meet that need in the United States. That's that's fascinating, right? So church, but yet only one in every five survives. 47% of those people said they're open if a friend would invite them. One in ten of those churches are less than 100 people in worship. And so here we are 11 years later. When in the last, and let me tell you something else what's happened in the last decade since our church has been open. In the last decade, we, 19.4%, we had 19.4% decline in church attendance. So the need's greater. The problems are the same, if not worse. And yet, people are turning less to the church. And I began to ask myself, why? why? Why are we still in existence? Well, why do we make that one of the five? Well, maybe, maybe because it, we stepped out in faith, and we continue to do that every single day. I began to ask the question that maybe the churches have been too focused in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil than the tree of life on rules and regulations. So that's the thing there, faith. We need faith. All of us need to take a step of faith. Um, the, the world, the flesh, likes religion, rules. And what we talked about over the last couple of weeks, uh, the spirit is about relationship. Relationship. We, even, even the most non-religious people like to turn to religion when they need an answer. I've had people who have never been to church, and they have something happen in their life, and they say, well, I need, I need to find out something about church. I say, no, no, you don't, you don't really need to know about church. You need to know about Jesus, okay? 
There's a difference because church is an entity. It's a good entity in many ways. It has its own flaws because, you know, it's got a lot of those things. But Jesus is perfect and Jesus is relationship. You see, we mix that up. Next thing, flesh is against, about legalism and spirit is about grace. And the biggest grace. You know, Jesus' biggest opposition came from the people that are in the religious area. And so if you're looking at your life and you're in any of of these kind of tensions, I want to go to this verse, and this verse I preached about, again, it's one of my favorite verses in Scripture. I preached about it a lot. One time I was here, I had a fruit tree, and I threw out fruit to you, and that was back in 2014, just to let you know, a couple years ago. Um, And I I love this verse of Scripture. Um, I actually believe that it's, I, I personally believe that it is a, like a nested list that one builds on the other, but it says this. And this is the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is, here's the list, love, joy, peace, patience, or forbearance. I've never used the word forbearance. Anybody? Nope. Never, never used that. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Look what he says here. Against such things there is no law. No law. Back at the beginning of the year, or the very last sermon of 2018, um, I think it was called, This is My Year. Okay, go back and it's, it's still there, I think audio at least. And in that, in that statement, I gave a challenge to everyone to pick your fruit. And remember, you're like, oh, yeah, that thing, right? To pick your fruit. And here's my time. How's your fruit? Because at the time, I was very honest and open, and I said that, honestly, I got a lot of love for people. I do. And I, I, at times, I'm pretty good joyfully. But as I shared with the happiness series, a lot of times my peace is good with people. My peace is good with God. But what I'm dealing with now is peace with me. And what's really interesting about this, not only do I believe that love leads to joy, that leads to peace, that leads to patience, that leads to kindness, et cetera, et cetera. But when, like for instance, say you're going ahead and you're, you're loving people and it's good. And then you get to a joyous point in your life because you have peace. And then you start to have not peace. How long does my joy last? Because when you put rotten fruit next to good fruit, what happens? It gets rotten. So we got to look at ourselves. So I'm renewing this right about mid-year for you. How's your fruit? Which one did you pick? Which one do you really need to work on? Where do you need to go? Maybe I'm not patient and kind in my life because I've never gotten to the point of having peace in my life. Maybe I just need to really, maybe none of these things are really reaching out to me because I'm not living in the spirit. I'm living too much in the flesh. Because what Paul says against these things, there is no law. You see, what the spirit produces is not legal. Paul says this, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So if we are living by the spirit, in our time together, three things I'm going to give to you. You ready? Put on your seatbelts. Make sure your tray table's in an upright lock position. Here we go. All right? If I'm going to live by the Spirit, it requires me to see. I think, Mike, the other day at Ray's funeral, you started sharing something that really struck me. And you said, I think it was you who said it was like a connect the dots. You ever, how many have ever done a connect the dots? How many have been a while since you've done one? Go do one this week, all right? When you look at that, you see like an eyeball and like a little smirk and some grass. And you're like, what is this? 
But do you remember when you start and you follow the numbers? One to two to three. And then sometimes you mess up and you erase it and go back and you go. But after you had it done, what did you have? A clear picture. You see, we want the clear picture before we begin to connect the dots. And see, God is about connecting the dots. He already understands the picture. He just wants us to be able to connect the dots and get on the same page as him. You can't do a dot to dot if you're not on the same page as the, the paper and as in, in the book. You see, we walk, you can walk through life in the dark. Has anybody ever, like when the power's out and it's like really dark, like so dark you feel the darkness, ever tried to find that flashlight? Yeah, now we have phones and we go like this, right? But how many of you have ever tried to find something? You might get it, but you're going to stumble around. How many of you ever stubbed your toe, ran into a wall, done something like that? It's possible to walk around the dark, but it's not sufficient. Like it would be like riding down the road and saying, I've been to Walmart. I've been to the grocery store here, food line. I've been home from church a billion times. I'm just going to close my eyes all the way home. <laughs> now, there's a couple things that's going to happen. Number one, I would bet you you're not going to make it in one piece. Number two, you're going to affect other people on the way. Number three, you're going to get off the path. That's how we live our lives when we don't see. And so if we're walking in the flesh, we're walking in the dark. And we're stumbling around. Some of us may be walking through some dark things. A diagnosis, a medical diagnosis. A, a broken or strained relationship. Unemployment or any other kind of thing. And I wanted to hear to tell you, Satan wants to keep you in the dark. Stumbling around, never able to see clearly. He wants to confuse you in the dots. He wants to keep you on the maze page rather than get you into the, other, into the other areas that God has called us to be. And so we need to be able to see. That's why the scripture, Psalm 119 says, Your word is like a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We have the word of God that, that uh, encourages us, and also the spirit of God speaks to us. We can see there. I heard this story this week about a man walked into a rooftop bar. It was very darkly lit. And he takes a seat next to another guy, and the guy, he asked the guy, he said, what are you drinking? He said, a magical beer. He said, oh, yeah, what's so magical about it? And he says, well, watch this. And he took a big swig of the beer. He dove off the roof, flew around the building, and finally returned to his seat and drank some more. man went, amazing. Let me have some of that. So he grabbed some of his. He took it. He downed it. He went over to the, to the rooftop, and he leapt off, and he plummeted 15 stories to the ground. So that bartender shook his head and said, you know, Superman, you're a real jerk when you start drinking. <laughs> Sometimes we don't know what we're seeing because we're hanging around in the dark. I like that. Okay. All right. All right. You see, I've had dark situations in my life. I've had times where I felt so alone that I wished that the Lord would come and take me or something else would take me. I've had times in my life where I just feel useless and worthless. And some of those times have been when I've been a pastor. Probably, I would say probably many more times have been when I've been that in a lonely, lonely time at many times. And every time, I've, I've talked to many people who have been in dark situations. And each of those times, the word of God tends to light their path a little bit. Just a little bit more we get the word of God. Number two. Not only do I have to see what's going on, but it requires me to listen. 
It requires me to listen. God's word speaks to us, and we need to listen. The coolest thing is, when we read God's word, the author speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. God's word is not a book of rules to be followed, but a voice to be listened to. So I ask you to ask yourself the question, what is God's spirit saying to me? What is God's spirit saying to me? There's a, there was a lady who lived all by herself. One day she came home and found out her house had been robbed and the robber was still there. She was very faithful and just had come from a prayer meeting and had the verse of scripture right there with her. And she saw the robber's silhouette and yelled, Acts 2, 38. And that's the Bible verse that says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. When that robber heard her say, Acts 2.38, he stopped right where he was, dropped to the floor, and sat there with his hands folded while she called the police and they showed up. The police showed up and said, and arrested him, put him in the car and said to him, Sir, why in the world did you not run or do something? She's so much smaller than you, and all she did was yell a Bible verse at you. And he said, a Bible verse? I thought she said she had an axe and two thirty-eights. <laughs> what you hear determines how you act. All right? See, I got lots of them today, all right? Um, okay. We need to hear. Look at what it says here in Isaiah 30. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear the voice of God behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. How do you hear the voice of God? You spend time with it. I've, I've, I've never seen the channel of the TV go, this is God. I was praying for a friend of mine who was looking, deciding whether to go to one job or another. It's a pretty major decision. And I prayed to God that um, God would give him a sign. And long story short, there was a building that was there that had been building for weeks. And when the sign, he went by it that week, and there was a sign there for the company that he was, gonna plan, that he was considering going to. He said, I realized I had a sign. And he ended up going there. All right? Yeah, this. The Holy Spirit is always with us. The word is parakletos, and it means one who is alongside of us. Sometimes we just need to be still and quiet our mind. I'd say one of the main reasons we don't hear God is because there's too much other noise in our world. And the last thing does, it requires me to follow. We can read and we can hear, but we need to do something. You see, the Holy Spirit is speaking every day, but am I listening? You ever had to have a conversation with someone who is always speaking? I mean, just think about your prayer life. Is it always that you talk, pray, pray, worship, speak, I need, want, got to have, boom, hallelujah, praise God, worship, go, and then God's like, I was trying to tell you. It never happens. In all places, in all situations, we need to have the voice of God. James, who is very big on this stuff, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote this. He said, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Do what it says. In Galatians 5, there is a tension between God, times God is speaking I was looking at, a, I was thinking about some of these dark things that, these areas of darkness that we were talking about. And I remembered a marriage seminar. And I remember it was geared on, um, on this verse from Ephesians chapter 5. 
You say, I thought it was about Galatians. Yeah, yeah, it's all Bible. Just go with it, okay? But it starts with the verse, and you may have heard it before. It's, Wives, submit to, your, um, to yourselves, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord for the husband, blah, blah, blah. You have that. And it ends in this verse, and it talks about this. And it ends in this verse at the end. It's in chapter 33 that says, However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. And I stopped in it, and I was thinking about the research that was done in this. And it's actually a, a series called Love and Respect. And I found something that's very interesting. Jesus is speaking to the, I mean, or, excuse me, Paul is speaking to the husbands at this time. And here's what he says. Um, Basically, husbands, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. And wives, you must respect your husband. You realize something really interesting here? He never told the wives to love their husbands, and he never told um, the husbands to respect their wives. And I thought, why? And as I looked into this series and began to look at it more, it's because there's a lot of discussion about love language. And one of the things that happened, and what we hear and how we process it. And often, not, you know, not totally, but across the board, a lot of times, um, what we see is the love language for many men is respect. They like to be respected. And it makes them feel good. So when they're respected, they respond in love. When they're not respected, they don't respond in love. And, and how are many women, what is the, their love language? They like to be loved, and then they feel respected. So if you don't, if, if you don't love them, then they're not going to respect you. And if you don't respect them, then they're not going to respond in love with you. See that nice, vicious circle? And none of us is listening to anybody else in the whole thing. See, we can learn a lot when we live in the fruits of the Spirit and the fruits of our life. How do we do this? We practice them. We practice the fruits of the Spirit. Go show somebody some love today. Go show somebody some, have some joy in your life. Look at the areas where you have conflict and just seek peace in the midst of it. And just pick your fruit and go with it. The cool thing in life is this last thing I want to share to you is this. I am never alone. I'm never alone. I have the Holy Spirit with me. And I can keep in step with the Spirit. Before we go to worship this last song, I want to go ahead and I want to give you one more story. You ready? Here we go. There was, and there was a wealthy Texan. He had an impressive ranch in where? There you go. That's how he's a Texan. On his ranch, he had a huge floodlit swimming pool, Olympic size, and in the swimming pool, he kept a shark. The rich Texan loved to throw lavish dinner parties, would invite his guests up around the pool afterwards. And then he would say to them this statement, if any of you swim the length of this pool, then I will give you one of three things, $10 million, half of my estate, or the hand of my daughter in marriage. Well, one evening, as he was saying this, as he always did, and he said, but I must warn you, before you do so, there is a killer shark, a great white in the pool. Well, one evening he was saying this, and there was a splash, and a man very nicely dressed swam faster than anybody he had ever seen in the pool, chased by that shark. He got out of the pool just in time as the shark thudded against the wall and the man leapt out in his suit, just drenched. And the Texan looked shocked and, he, and everybody was applauding and he said, congratulations. I have never seen anybody even come close to doing that before. 
Now, what would you like? Would you like the $10 million? The man said, no, thank you. He said, would you like half of my estate? He said, no, thank you. He said, well, that means then you must want my daughter's hand in marriage. And the exasperated man said, no, thank you. And the Texan said, then what do you want? He said, I want the name of the person who pushed me in the pool. (laughs) Many of us are doing our journey through life, wondering who's cutting in on us, wondering who's shoving us in with the sharks, but we do not have to live in the flesh. We can live in the spirit. Amen? Everybody, let's stand up and worship the Lord. Well, that was a lot, Jack. That was a lot of information today. So that's like a full meal. You guys got to digest that, you know, as we go to prayer. You know, this is the, the time when we just kind of kind of just think about, you know, what was said today and how it relates to our lives. You know, and if you found nothing today that relates to your life, then you guys weren't listening at all because there was tons in there for me personally. You know, and, and this song kind of came to me this week. And, I, you know, as I sit at my piano, most times I'm just, you know, I'm not really thinking about, you know, what I want to play. It just kind of comes to me and, it's, and God just kind of gave me these two songs and merge them together. Here's my heart. Lord, I need you. I don't know what it was about it, but just like, you know, when I think about, you say, here's my heart, Lord, and, and you know, and it's easy to say that, but it's an action. It's what we do. Is what we, we say. We just raise our hands and say, here's my heart, Lord. You know, it's our offering. It's, it's all we can give. You know, we can't give God anything. We can't give money. We can give him time, you know, but really, that's all he wants is our heart. So as we give him our, as we give him our heart, you know, wholeheartedly, you know, and we, and then, and then we say, Lord, we need you. And so we're, so you're giving something and you're asking for something. And that's, that's really, it's all about faith. And I, and I don't know how, how you guys think about that, but I know when I was going to Baptist church as a young kid and the pastor would say, just open your heart, Wayne. I said, I felt nothing. I felt, you know, you're not really giving me anything to go by. You know, it's not, just, I didn't feel anything at that time. It took me a long time to, to say, hey, God, here's my heart. And that first song we were saying earlier about as for me in my house and choose today who you want to serve. That's that's kind of where I started in that song. So it's kind of cool that the song came this week and it means a lot to me personally. So, so just forget about where you got to go after church and just open your open your heart to, to God and sing this out. I find 
without you I fall apart and you're the one that guides my heart I need you Lord Lord I need you oh I need you every hour I need
All right, next week we're going to wrap up this series in chapter 6. And um, I don't know about you guys, but we love what we call the Wayne Worship mashups. We love them. So, but um, just brings us in a place and just to hear how he hears God. And we can celebrate that today. Have a great week. That's what we're going to have. Post carry do. There we go. Have a great week. All right. <laughs>